0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 101 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 3rd of March 2013, entitled The Glorious Church of Jesus Christ, part 33. The Bible readings are taken from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and Acts. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. We're going to uh, to turn to our Bibles for our scripture reading, but before turning there, I'd just like to make a couple of comments, of course, as we continue in our series that we have uh, uh, have been in for the past three years on contending for the faith, the fundamentals of that faith, and of course for uh, for some time, at least this past year, we have been looking at the church, the glorious church of Jesus Christ. We began with all the different ideas that men have of what a church is, then tried to look at a biblical basis for that. And of course, as we have looked through this study on the church, we uh, most recently turned our uh, attention to the operation of the New Testament church. What does a church do? Uh, what is the, uh, uh, the purpose behind all of its, of its actions? And we, we looked for a few weeks during, uh, through the ministry of worship, and we've been looking the past few weeks, at the Ministry of Witness. Now, as we redirect our attention there this morning, I would remind you that we have seen, uh, first of all, in looking through the Scriptures, that the Ministry of Witness is crucial. The church would not exist without it. Nobody would be saved from their sins without it. The church would not grow. The church came into existence because of the witness of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is his body. And so therefore, it is his body that carries on this ministry of witness that others can come to know without a shadow of a doubt, that pure and simple message. You see, there's a lot of religious stuff in this world. And there's a lot of quote-unquote churches that have a lot of programs and different things. But Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to this earth, as we saw during our communion service prior to this this morning. He came specifically, number one, because the Father loved us enough that the Father sent him to die on the cross, and Jesus Christ loved us so much that he was willing to go there in our place that our sins could be forgiven. We find that the witness of the gospel, that is why Jesus came. That is what every human being on the face of this earth is crucial. Without it, a church is just another organization, another social club, if you would. We saw not only that it's crucial, but that it is central to everything that we do. We find that it should all evolve around Jesus Christ and His finished work, not around us and everything else. We saw that it's commanded. We will either do it or we will be disobedient. To our Lord, we find that it is Christian. We call ourselves Christian, which means that we are Christ-like, that we are like the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't possibly be like Christ and be his church if we're failing to witness the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we went on to say that if truly the ministry of the gospel is all of these things, and it is that important that it requires some things from us. First of all, we look to the fact that it requires commitment. It requires commitment. It is not something that will just happen by itself. It's something that we have to be committed. First of all, he says, go ye into all the world. We have to be committed to go. If someone doesn't go, how are they going to hear? We have to be committed to give. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We can't be in every place in this world at the same time, but we can give that not only we are going where we are in our communities, and our cities, but others are able to go around the world as we give to the work of missions. We have to be committed to guarding. It's not just enough that we go and that we give but that we go and give the truth. We must stand upon the truth at home. We must stand upon the truth abroad, he says, to go and to teach them all things whatsoever I have commanded you. We find that we have to be committed to those things, but also we said that if we're committed to those things that it requires cooperation. You know, we have to be willing to go it alone if nobody else goes we're going to go. If nobody else does right, we're going to do right. If nobody else is sharing the gospel, we're going to share the gospel. But Jesus sent them forth, we saw, two by two. Jesus called us and put us together in an assembly as a body with each and every one having their own gift and all of us together working together as a whole. So yes, we've got to be willing to go if nobody else goes. But in fact, in order for the ministry of witness to be effective in all that it can, we've got to be willing, first of all, within our own body, within our own church to cooperate together, to do all that we can to minister together to the lost in our community around us. But also we need to be willing to be in cooperation with other churches of like precious faith, others that are able, because many times we can't send a missionary to a field all on our own, but several of us working together can accomplish that work. And so therefore, if the ministry of witness is going to be effective, we've got to be in unity and we've got to be working with others that are in unity with us and our beliefs to carry those things forward. But I said, with all of that, we come up to our thoughts for today. I'm going to direct you back to these passages that we have read a few times in Scripture. And we're going to look at them once again this morning. First of all, in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 28, we find the, what we call the Great Commission recorded for the first time. Remember that these are the parting words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows that He's getting ready to leave this world. And to go back to be with his father. These are his parting instructions. This is what he doesn't want us to forget above all else. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, And of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. As we think on this ministry of witness, that there is absolutely nothing more important that we can say and do in our lives, in this service this morning, in our community, in our city, there is nothing more important than to proclaim to every human being here today and out there that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That Jesus Christ, that God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We need to make sure that that message is clear, that if there's anyone here today, regardless of what religious background that you might have, regardless of what else that you believe in this world, that the reality is, is that there's only one way. Jesus Christ wants you to have life and to have it everlasting Your sin will bring death. He doesn't want that for you. It's not his will for you to perish. Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins so that your sins could be forgiven. But you've got to be willing to admit your sinfulness. You've got to be willing to call upon the Lord. For whosoever calleth upon the Lord shall be saved. Today we find that as we look at this this ministry of witness, I want you to take you back because you see the reality is is that we can shout it from the rooftops. We can do everything that we've talked about so far. We can go out there and we can tell everybody that we see that, that Jesus Christ loves them, that he died for them, that he wants to give them life. But in our passage that we just read, notice that when Jesus came and spake to them, he said there in verse 18, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Jesus Christ said, I hold the power of the universe. The third word in the next verse, verse 19 says, go ye therefore, as a result of that, in light of the fact that I have the power, all power in heaven and earth has been given to me by God the Father, therefore, he wants us to go. Therefore, he wants us to teach. Therefore, he wants us to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Therefore, he wants us to teach them to observe all things, whatever he's commanded. And then he tells us down in verse 20, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. When we keep that in mind, we turn to the next gospel in the gospel of Mark. And in chapter 16, verses 15 to 18, it says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Notice the next words, In my name, Jesus says, Not in our name, not in the name of religion, not in the name of the Baptists or the Anglicans or the Pentecostals or anybody else out there, in the name of Jesus. In my name shall they cast out devils, shall they speak with new tongues, they shall take up servants, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them, they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. You see, Jesus has told them that we're to go and that we're to preach this gospel. But if anything is going to happen, it's going to be in his name, not because of who we are, not because of what we've accomplished or not accomplished. Matthew, Mark, Luke. We find the recording in Luke chapter 24, verses 46 to 49. And said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached In his name Among all nations Beginning at Jerusalem He says And ye are witnesses of these things And behold I send the promise Of my father Upon you But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem Until ye be endued With power from on high Keep those things in mind First of all That He's the one that's sending them out, the one that holds the power, the one that will go with them. He's the one that says that it's going to be accomplished in his name. He says that again here, that remission of sins, should be preached in his name, that he would send the promise of the Father. John chapter 20, verses 21 and 22. Then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. As the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And the thing that he does is he sends them out. He says, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter one, verses four to eight. He says, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the father. Those words again that we saw back in Luke. They were to wait for the promise of the father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. There's some things that are in God's power that we're just simply not to know. But, he says, though there's some things that are in God's control that are in his power altogether, ye shall receive power, he says, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And when you've received that power that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You see, it's clear. Every instance that we are given this commission, this command to go out and to carry the gospel to the lost world, we're commanded to be witnesses that the work will not be accomplished in our own strength, but in a power that is beyond our own. In every instance, nowhere. Are we told to do this of ourselves in our own programs, in our own power, in our own wisdom? You see, the simple truth is we can get on autopilot sometimes. And folks, this is dangerous. You can go to church every Sunday. You can hear the church. You can hear the the message being preached. You can hear the, the truth being taught. You can have it being taught in the Bible study classes. You can do your home Bible study and you can do all these things. And yet, we can just feel like that we've got it under control. We know all the answers. We know all the truths. And if we're not careful, we'll just go out there operating in our own strength, in our own power, even with the best of intentions. The ministry of witness is vital. We have got to be willing to go. We've got to be willing to give. We've got to be willing to guard and, yes. That's going to require some things of us. It's going to require some commitment on our part. It's going to require some cooperation. But may I say to you that all of it is worthless without communion with God, without his power, without being with him in his power, operating in his name. You see, in these verses we've just read, we go... Because Jesus has all the power and he's the one that's sending us and the one that holds the power of the universe promised to go with us as we go out with the gospel message. We go in his name. We go in his name alone. There is no religion, no denomination, no church of itself that can do anything for anyone's eternity except give them false hope. We find that there's only one message. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Jesus said, go. But he said, go in my name. Because you see, in essence, it's not us. We are his representatives. In another place in the Bible, he calls us ambassadors. We are representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going under his authority. We're going with the backing of his resources as we go, as we preach and teach in his name, as his personal representative. He says that he will send the promise of his father and that we'll be endued with power from on high, a power that is not our own. You see, if we were to go around this congregation this morning and we were to ask some very simple questions, the simple truth is, is that you didn't start following the Lord Jesus Christ because you believe some man, because that you believe some church, because that you got tied up with some religion. If you're a child of God this morning, you started calling him because there was a point in your life when by his grace and his mercy, it was more than just some man telling you a story. There was something within you. You know, in the Bible, he talks about being pricked in the heart. There was that inner witness that can only come from the Holy Spirit that showed you that, yes, I do know I am a sinner but my creator, the one that I am accountable to, because he's the one that allows me to be here in the first place. He's the one that is the cause of all life. And you know, I know that I've sinned. There's not a one of us. Matter of fact, there's only one way that you can say that you're not a sinner, and that's to say that God's a liar. The Bible simply says, we've all sinned. We're not right with God because we're better than somebody else. We're right because by grace, through our faith in Him and His finished work, we've accepted the forgiveness that can only come through the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we talked about that promise. We spent quite a long time when we looked at the Holy Spirit and the teachings concerning the Holy Spirit. That's the promise that he's talking about here. That's the promise of the Father. That's what he's told them. We start looking at all of it together. He told them to wait. He was the one that told them that, yes, that power was there, but that they needed to wait until the Holy Ghost came. He was the one that told them they needed to wait for the promise of the Father. He was the one that told them that they would receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost had come upon them the promise that he's referring back to here in John chapter 14, verse 16, when we look at that, and I will, Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he, the Father, shall give you another comforter, another paraclete, another one to come alongside you that he may abide with you forever. That's the same promise that Jesus has made to us You see, in our study of the Holy Spirit, we saw that the real work of the Holy Spirit is to convict and convert the sinner, to carry on the work of the Lord Jesus Christ in this earth. People want to do all kinds of things for the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit is to carry on the work of Christ, and He does that through us. He's the only one that can get to the heart of man and convict and convert the sinner. We're to go. We're to witness of the Christ that's within us through the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within. Jesus told his disciples to go, but he gave them the Holy Ghost to do it. They were to await the promise, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which you and I, as we've seen, receive only when we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, they're to receive the power to become witnesses only when the Holy Spirit has come into their life. You see, no witness is of any effect without the communion that is required with God. The ministry of witness It does require the commitment, the cooperation, but it requires the communion, a union with Christ, a communion with Him that can only come through the Holy Spirit. It's not something of the flesh. We commune with Him from the time that we first seek forgiveness until that day that we will stand before Him and see Him face to face. How do we do it? Through that simple thing called prayer. Yes, he speaks to us through his word. And we speak to him, we pray to him. There is no power without prayer. May I repeat that? There is no power without prayer. There is absolutely no way that we can do anything that God wants to do, His work, in our strength. It requires Him. There has been no movement of God in the history of mankind that has ever happened without God's people being on their knees. That's what brings revival. We've already discussed the importance of prayer when we looked at the ministry of worship. We looked at the different ways and the different things and the different parts that prayer has in our time of worship together. But folks, the ministry of witness is of no use. It's void. It's worthless. Without the power of God, that will only come through prayer. You see, as we look for this true communion, as we look, with that power of god we began our study back all that time ago on contending for the faith in that small book of jude second to the last book in your bibles only one chapter and if you recall in verses 20 to 23 we found these words but ye beloved building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and of some, have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted. By the flesh. You see, even there, where we began, we are told. We are told that we're to to build ourselves up in the most holy faith, praying. Yes, we're to have compassion, we're to care, we're to go to them, we're to try to to make a difference, we're to try to, to pull them out of the fire. But it can only happen. Through prayer. In Ephesians chapter 6, we led the, read the passage last Sunday morning in relation to our conference and what we were doing and gathering those days together. Do we really listen to what we're praying there? Folks, we're in a battle. There is a war that is raging. If you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to recognize that you have a real enemy. And he is out to destroy you, not just now, but for all of eternity. And for every Christian, every child of God, you have an enemy. And that enemy wants to stop you from being effective. He wants to destroy your life. He can't get your eternity for you because the blood of Jesus Christ has sealed you until that day. But the truth is, he wants to destroy your life, your witness, your effectiveness to be used Of the Lord. And we're warned in Scripture. We're warned about this battle. We're warned about our enemy. But folks, we don't have to fear him. We need to be prepared for him. We need to accomplish the work that we're left here to do because we're not accomplishing it in our own power, in our own strength. Only Jesus Christ, only his finished work, only the power of the Holy Spirit can change a life, not you and I. Our responsibility is to be a witness in his name, under his power, under his authority. He told us in Ephesians chapter 6, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh, and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Our enemy is not just something that's flesh and blood. We're fighting a spiritual battle. We're fighting for our souls. We're fighting for the very souls of the people around us. That being the case, he says, wherefore, taken to you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Before we carry on, you know, man can come up with all kinds of mind-blowing weapons. and Man can come up with all kinds of different things to protect himself from other people's weapons, but man can come up with nothing. You see, the bullets of man, the bombs of man, all of man's destructive power, the only thing that he can touch, the only thing that he can destroy is your flesh and blood. We have an enemy that we need to be armed against that man cannot protect us from, that man with all of his intelligence and all of his abilities he cannot protect us against that spiritual realm, the devil, his wiles, his tricks, the great destroyer. So therefore, the armor that we need is not the armor that man can provide, but the armor that only the truth, the righteousness that is ours in the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ Faith, salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You see, that's what will tear down those strongholds. That's what will destroy our enemy. But notice even here, when he said, Take in that helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Notice the next word in your Bible in verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, Holy Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. He says, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Do you see the whole idea of what the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus here? We're in a battle We've got an enemy out there that's out there to destroy people for all of eternity. We need to stand up against him. We need to stand up because we've got the armor of God. He'll protect us. We're not fighting against the flesh and blood of man. We're fighting a spiritual battle. And he's given us the protection that we need. And he's given us the weapon that we need, the word of God, to be able to accomplish that work. But the only way we're going to get it done is on our knees, praying, praying. And do you notice that he is praying and all comes back? Why is his purpose? that men and women and boys and girls can be saved from their sins, that he might be able to have the utterance that he needs to be able to speak boldly the mystery of the gospel. That's what's gonna change people's lives. That's why he needs to be strong. That's why he needs to fight the enemy. That's why he needs the power of God to be able to pass that gospel message on to those others. He is an ambassador. He is a representative of Jesus Christ himself to this world. And he needs to be able to speak boldly as he ought to speak. The ministry of witness, it's our great responsibility. It's the reason that we're here. It's the greatest thing that we can do for any human being alive. We can do lots of things for them that are so temporal in this life. But that which will last them for eternity we need to be instruments of God, folks, but everything, please understand, all the right things, all the right words, all the right actions, all the right feelings, everything that we've talked about, without the power of God, it's useless It's only the power of God that can reach to the inner man, that can reach to the hearts of man. It's only the power of God on our lives that can truly allow us to be witnesses. You see, we need, we need to be praying. We need that which only God can accomplish and do. We need to be praying. I don't have time to give you all of them this morning, but first of all, may I say, that we need to be praying for ministry itself. None of our ministry, none of our ministry is going to be worth anything. In Colossians chapter four, now remember, this is the apostle Paul. This is the man that we have more of the books of the New Testament for his writings than any other. I want to give you this in our closing thoughts this morning. He says in Colossians chapter 4, and he says there in verses 2 to 4, he says, continue in prayer, writing to the church. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. With all also praying also for us, That God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. This is the Apostle Paul used to pen more of the New Testament than any other individual. He was the missionary that was sent out by the church. We find that here, even that great apostle in writing to the church says, I need your prayers. I need your prayers in order that I might be able, first of all, that even the doors would be open before me and that I would be able to speak, that I would be able to utter the mystery of Christ, that I might make it manifest as I ought to speak. He needed the prayers of this church in order to be effective. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, he says, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. You got any words to say? Any words that are going to make a difference? <laughs> the only ones that really matter is what God says. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Reality, reality check. Too many times we're interested in what people think that we're doing and how we're doing it. He says, you're going to say anything? Let it be the Word of God. That's what you need to be speaking is God's Word. You're going to minister? You need to be ministering in the ability which can only come from God so that in the end, Doesn't matter if anybody knows who you are or what you've done or anything about it. It's so that he can be glorified through Jesus Christ who deserves all the praise and all the dominion. Folks, if our ministry of witness is going to be effective at all, it's going to require communion with God on our knees, praying, praying for that ministry. We need to pray for guidance in ministry how and where God would have us to serve. We've already seen the importance of that in our in our commitment to the ministry of witness. We need to not only be praying for guidance in our ministry, just as the apostle Paul was, for the doors to be opened before him. He was asking them to pray for him. We need to be praying for the ministries of others around us, around the world, who are faithfully seeking to serve the Lord just as the apostle Paul asked his church to pray for him, for his ministry, that it might be effective. We need to be praying for the ministries of others that are standing upon the truths, that are preaching God's word, for our missionaries around the field. Folks, we need to be praying for the ministries of our church. We need to be praying that the power that is essential to the saving of souls will be present from the pulpit to the pew, from the pastor to the people, upon every ministry through which we seek to win the loss to Christ. We don't just need ministries. Yes, we're talking about all the ministries that are important. We don't just need ministries, though. We need ministries that are bathed in prayer, ministries that have the power of God upon them. We find that we have a tremendous, tremendous illustration of that in the gospel of Mark. We'll make this our closing passage this morning in the gospel of Mark, chapter 9. Let me just read this account from God's Word. It says, And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? One of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought... Unto thee, my son, which hath a dumb spirit, and wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and he gnasheth with his teeth, and he pineth away, and I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answereth him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. They brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? How long has he been like this? And he said, a child, since he was a kid. And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him, But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit saying unto him thou dumb and deaf spirit i charge thee come out of him and enter no more into him the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him and he was as one dead in so much that many said he is dead but jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately why could not we cast him out? Now, get the picture here, folks. This is, I mean, this is a pretty powerful situation. This young man has been like this since childhood. He's been possessed of some demon. He's having his fits and all of these different things and The disciples haven't been able to do anything about it. Now you say, well, preacher, that's not really the kind of thing that we normally face on a day-to-day basis. No, isn't that good? Aren't you glad you don't have to face that on a day-to-day basis? Simple truth is, is what was it that he said up there? If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. This is a serious situation. This one happens to be possessed of a devil. And yet we find here that these disciples haven't been able to do anything about it. And yet Jesus comes along and Jesus orders him out and it's done. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. What was the question? When he was coming to the house, the disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? Notice the answer, so simple. And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. But by prayer and fasting. You know, we, we're, we're living in a day, folks, when very, very seldom Christians do Christians today get to the fasting part, they don't even get into the praying part. <laughs> Things have just become so natural. I just, I'm just sharing my heart with you. That if we've, we've come to a point. We've talked about all these things about the church. I've made it very clear that in the end, folks, we can do all the social deeds we want to. We can have all the wonderful programs, and I love you all, and I love having the fellowship, and I love all the things that we do. But if we're failing to carry on the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we're failing at everything that we're doing. Where is our compassion? We've talked about all of these things already. If the ministry of witness, if the work of Jesus Christ, we can't do anything. We can feed people. We can clothe people. We can try to meet their natural needs and those things are good. But they're all temporary It's easy for us to come and to talk about it and to talk about how we know that we're gonna do better and all this, but it's time for action. It's time, as we saw last week, to impact our world. It's time that if we wanna be a real church and if we wanna be an effective church, that we not only have the ministries, but ministries that are bathed in prayer, that we are willing to get up on our face, to get up on our face before God, to fast if necessary for these important things that his power, that his presence, he deserves all the credit for it. It doesn't matter. Can we grasp that? It doesn't matter who's preaching the sermon. It doesn't matter who's doing the work. That was one of the things that I said last week. You know, with all of my great, great, great love for my dear friend, friend, Brian Beaver, you know, God knew exactly what he was doing when at the last minute he was not able to be here folks, I don't say this mean towards you. I'm just simply saying, even some of you right here in this congregation this morning, though, instead of it being the conference, the sword of the spirit conference, even many of you would call it the beaver conference. <laughs> it's not about a man. Thank God for his love and all that God used him for all those years. But you see, even somebody that I love that dearly, if the work wasn't from God, nothing is to be accomplished. And you and I, we need to get off of autopilot. We need to recognize that it's more than just knowing the truths. You see, it's just like the gospel. You can be here this morning. You can know all about God. You can know all about what Jesus did. He said, the devils know it and believe it. So much that they tremble. But they're not saved. It has to be put into action. Nothing, nothing, nothing on the face of earth is more important this morning than knowing that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And Christian, nothing, 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 nothing. Nothing, in your life, nothing that will ever be in your life. You know know that the importance that I place upon so many things, but understand this, there is nothing now and nothing will ever be in your life that is more important than the work of Jesus Christ taking place through your life if there's one individual that is given life eternal, that is spared being destroyed by Satan, one individual through the rest of your life, it's worth more than all of your career can give you. It's worth more than everything this world. Just be obedient to him that the ministry of the witness of the Lord Jesus Christ can come through you that your life might be able to be what God wants it to be, not what you want it to be as a church whether it's me or somebody else. I'm saying as a church, thank God for each and every one of you. But we need to get serious. We need to get serious about what we're doing with our neighbors. When we come together, when we're going out there, how important is it to us? How important is the body and the effectiveness of this body? I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, you better realize churches closed down all over the place. Churches shut down all the time. And not because there's always a few in them that still love the Lord and don't want to see that happen. Don't think it can't happen. I ask you a question. How effective would our church be if they were all just like you? I don't say that to be mean. We need to be honest. We need to get honest. We're playing games. We're playing, playing at things that are the most important things in all the world. I love you today. The you know, simple truth is, is that, you know, <laughs> Brother Steve, if, if it's somebody else, it's not that I want any credit. If it's somebody else that can come in this pulpit, that can preach to you week to week, that can lead you, that can make it more effective, then praise God, bring them on. I just want to be where God wants me, and I want you to be where God wants you. Thank God for the many years that he's given us together. I don't know. I don't know what God's got next week and next month, but I know what he wants us to be busy at, and I know what is required. I want to say to you today that if it's going to happen, It's going to happen because you care enough. This can only come by prayer and fasting. It's going to require the communion of God, his power that's been promised us that is there if we will but believe it. That same promise that's to you here today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, he died for you. He wants you to have life. And that's why all of us Christians are here. And that's the only reason that we're here we ought not to be ashamed of that. Father, thank you today for, Lord, loving us enough. Lord, that you planned our salvation, that you did all these things. And Lord, help us, help us, please. Help us not to be guilty. I know that we live in a, in a laodicy and church age when, Lord, that lukewarmness is the, is, the, is the thing of the day. And, Lord, everybody thinks they're okay, but nothing is happening. Lord, help us. Start within each and every one of us. Help us to understand the importance of what we're here for. Lord, I pray if there be one in our midst this morning, though I realize that this message has been primarily focused to the Christian, but it's been focused upon that, Lord, that the importance of all we do is to get the message of Jesus to the lost. If there's one of those lost here today, then, Lord, I pray that you'd help them to recognize that Lord, the gospel is for them. They're the ones that Jesus Christ died for. And even this day, if they're willing to humble themselves before him, you see, even our relationship with him begins with a prayer. Not with some special words, but it begins with a prayer, with a request of seeking that forgiveness that can only come through Christ. So I pray that you would help any unbeliever here today to have the faith needed to believe and trust in Jesus Christ. And I pray that you'd help all of us as Christians. Oh, help us, Lord. Help us to be what we need to be as individuals. Help us not to walk out of here just knowing that, yep, that's what the Bible says, but trying to come up with some excuse for it not to happen in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be effective, not that Lord, the leadership of this church or anyone else here would get any credit, but Lord, that people would know that Jesus Christ is real in this place, that it's his work that's being accomplished by his power alone. For it's in his name we pray, amen.